Good morning. It's story time. Yeah, I'm excited. Today we are going to read the story Stone Soup. Stone Soup, yes, Stone Soup. And it goes a little something like this. Most important. All right. Three monks, Hawk, Locke, and Sue, traveling along a mountain road. They talked about cat whiskers and the color of the sun and, and giving. What makes one happy, Sue? Asked Hawk, the youngest monk. And old Sue, the, who was the wisest of them, said, let's find out. The sound of a bell brought their gaze to the rooftops of a village below. They, they, they couldn't see from so high above that the village had been through hard times, through famine, floods, and war. All of those had made the villagers wary and untrusting of strangers. They have even become suspicious of their neighbors. The villagers worked hard, but only for themselves. There was a farmer, a, a tea merchant, a scholar, a seamstress, a doctor, a carpenter, and many others. But they had little to do with each other. When the monks reached the foot of the mountain, the villagers disappeared into their houses. No one came to the gates to greet them. And when the people saw them enter the village, they closed their windows tight. The monks knocked on the door of the first house. There was no one there. The house went dark. They knocked on the second door and the same thing happened. And, the, and it happened again and again from one house to the next. These people do not know happiness, they all agreed. But today, said Sue with a bright smile on his face, we will show them how to make stone soup. They gathered twigs and branches and made a fire. They placed a small tin pot on top and filled it with water from the village well. A, a brave little girl who was who was watching them, asked, what are you doing? Well, we are gathering twigs, said Locke. We are making a fire, said Hawk. We are making stone soup, and we need three round, smooth stones, said Sue. The little girl helped the, little, the, the monks look around the courtyard until they found just the right ones, and then they put them in the water to cook. All oh, these stones will make excellent soup, said Sue. But this very small pot won't make much, I'm afraid. <gasps> My mother has a bigger pot, the little girl said. The little girl ran home. As she started to take the pot, her mother asked her, what are you doing? The little girl said, these three, these three strangers are making soup from stones, and they need our biggest pot. Hmm, the girl's mother said. Stones are very easy to come by. I'd, I'd like to learn how to do that. Well, the monks poked the coals and the, the smoke drifted up and the neighbors peered from their windows. The fire in the large pot in the middle of the village was a true curiosity. One by one, the people of the village came out just to see 
what stone soup was. Of course, old-style stone soup should be well-seasoned with salt and pepper, said Hawk. That's true, said Locke, as he stirred the giant pot filled with water and stones. But we have none. I have some salt and pepper, said the scholar, and his eyes were big with, with curiosity. He disappeared, and he came back with salt and pepper and a few more spices. Sue took a taste Ooh, you know, last time we had soup stones of this size and color, carrots. Carrots made the broth so very sweet. Carrots, said a woman from the back. I, I, I have a few, few carrots, but maybe just a few. And she ran, and she returned with as many carrots as she could possibly carry and dropped them into the pot. Oh, do you think it would be better with, with onions, said Hawk? Oh, yes, maybe an onion would taste good, said a farmer, as he hurried off. And in moments, he returned with five big onions and dropped them into the bubbling soup. Now that is a fine soup, he said. The villagers all nodded their heads, and the smell was very agreeable. Oh, but only, only if we had some mushrooms, said Sue, as he rubs his chin. Several villagers, licking their lips, dashed away, returned with fresh mushrooms and noodles and pea pods and cabbages. Something magical began to happen with the villagers. As each person opened their hearts to give, the next person gave even more. And as this happened, the soup became richer and smelled more delicious. I imagine the emperor would suggest we add dumplings, said one villager, and bean curds, said another. What about cloud ear and, and mung beans and, and yams, cried some others, and taro root and winter melons. How about baby corn, cried another villager, garlic, ginger root, soy sauce, lily buds. They all ran, and they all came back carrying all that they could. The monks stirred, and the pot bubbled, and how good it smelled how good it would taste, how giving the villagers had become. At last the soup was ready. The villagers gathered together. They brought rice and steamed buns. They brought lychee nuts and sweet cakes. They brought tea to drink and lit the lanterns. Everyone sat down to eat. They had not been together for a feast like this for a very long time, as long as anyone could remember. After the banquet, they told stories, and they sang songs, and they celebrated long into the night. And then they unlocked their doors, and they took the monks into their homes and gave them a very comfortable place to sleep. In the gentle spring morning, everyone gathered near the willow to say farewell. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us as your guests, said the monks. You have all been most generous. Oh, no, thank you, said the villagers. Thank you. With the gifts that you have given, we will always have plenty. You have shown us that sharing makes us all richer. And to think, said the monks, to be happy is as simple as making stone soup. The end, guys.
one more time for Mr. Matt. Hey, well, uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Lucas Miner. I'm the uh, director of student ministries here at Clay Church, and uh, I love my job. All right. All right. Have a good day. Uh, no, uh, so by a show of hands, has anyone ever been given an impossible task? An impossible? Oh, it's just about 8% of you. Everybody else is very confident. Yes. So maybe your boss told you to do something and you knew that there was just no way that you could get to it or get it done. Or maybe it was the first time that you had a big paper to write or your first big college exam and you just had no idea how you were going to make it through. Maybe you overwhelmed yourself by setting a goal for yourself that ultimately proved to be too much. Anybody? The answer is, of course, yes. We've all met some situations that seemed impossible at the time. So our oldest son, Henry, he's, he's the very calm one uh, wearing the Mickey hat. No, sorry, he was just, he's the one who was sprinting across. That's why I'm sweating. Um, always sweating. So he was born March 2020. Does anybody remember anything going on in the world? March 2020? Right, right. So just as Henry entered the world, we were witnessing the rest of the world being flipped upside down during the first days of COVID. So to the point that when we first arrived at the hospital, nobody was wearing a mask and n not even staff. Then the next morning after Henry was born and we were in the mother-baby suite, the nurse came in wearing a mask saying, oh yeah, we're required to wear these now. It was that much in the heart of it. <laughs> so it was a really weird and scary moment. So after a couple days in the hospital, I remember um, the three of us getting into the car after about 28 minutes putting the car seat in and doing my safety inspection. Um, but when we finally closed the door, Jill and I looked at each other and we said, I think we're going to need some help. <laughs> but there wasn't anyone that would be able to help us, not anytime soon, at least. So for the first week or two of Henry's life, our parents couldn't come and hold him. They couldn't come and meet him. They had to meet him through the other side of the door. We originally had in our minds that once he was born, we might be able to call on somebody for a helping hand, or even at least just to introduce Henry to our family and to our community of friends. But that just seemed like it was going to be impossible. We heard in the Stone Soup story that these three monks were up to a task that would have seemed impossible. We're going to teach them happiness. When the monks reached the foot of the mountain, the villagers disappeared into their houses. No one came to the gates to greet them. And when the people saw them enter the village, they closed their windows tight. The monks knocked on the door of the first house. There was no answer. Then the house went dark. They knocked on the second door, and the same thing happened. It happened again and again from one house to the next. These people do not know happiness, they all agreed. But today said Sue, his face as bright as the moon, we will show them how to make stone soup. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We're going to read a story about Jesus where he gives the disciples what seems like an impossible task. So John 6, verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So at this point, Jesus and his disciples are really tired from working all these miracles and from the, from the ministry and the disciples know that there is no possible way for them to take care of the needs of the crowd. In Matthew's gospel account for this story, the disciples say it pretty straightforward. They say, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. Pretty matter-of-factly. And But I have to imagine that when they actually said it, that it was probably laced with a little more panic in their voices, right? And they, they all would have been looking around at each other and uh, wide-eyed, kind of like how Jill and I looked at each other on that day in March, <laughs> with, alone in this world with this brand new baby. The Gospel of John, just as we read, names Philip as the one who speaks up. And I can just picture him gesturing vaguely at the crowd of over 5,000 behind him saying, um, five loaves and two fish? And then, of course, Jesus does what Jesus does, and then the problem is solved, right? So, in the gospel, it's nothing new <laughs> that the disciples miss the point, right? That happens over and over again in these stories. But Jesus intentionally picked his disciples. They were imperfect, right? Just like you and I. Because just like the disciples... We struggle sometimes to believe Jesus is going to come through for us when our life situations are especially overwhelming. We let our immediate circumstances and our limited resources fill us with doubts. We try to solve fish and loave problems that are never going to work when ultimately Jesus is standing there waiting to give us the answer. In Stone Soup, right, the, 
Is the point of the story that the stones are magical? No, right? The point is, this is where the secret lays, is that it wasn't the magic in the stones, but it was the coming together of the community, right? As we think about Jesus feeding those 5,000 plus people, it's, it's easy to emphasize the miraculous element of what happened through Jesus. And it certainly was a miracle of God. I can't tell you exactly what it looked like or how Jesus worked that miracle 2,000 years ago. But I do know how Jesus chooses to work miracles today, and that's through you and me. Amen? God never intended for us to, to solve problems on our own. We're, we're called to participate in what God is doing. We, as followers of Jesus, are, are called to be the, the miracles, to be the miracles in our impossible situations. Not because of the amazing things that we can do, but because of the amazing things that God can do through us. We're called the body of Christ, right? When we join together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, God is able to make the impossible possible. God is able to take our ordinary lives and shape them into something extraordinary, miraculous even. And there are so many overwhelming and impossible situations before us, things that are happening across the world, things that we would rather not see, things even in our own neighborhoods. And sometimes it all seems really impossible to solve. But the Jesus who miraculously fed thousands on just a few loaves of bread and fish is still working, hasn't stopped working. When we see that Jesus, we see that Jesus when we help a neighbor in need, right? We see that Jesus when we come together in fellowship, in worship, in service. We see Jesus whenever we gather together in God's name. So today I hope we remember that it's not about how little we have to give. It's not about us solving the problems, but it's about us following God together and giving God the chance to use us to make the impossible possible. Amen? Amen. Uh, in just a minute, the band's going to come back up and, and lead us in song. And I want to share that, um, like Tori said, this past week, um, we had the opportunity to travel to the great state of Ohio um, and the uh, island of Cedar Point in Sandusky. And with 37 of our youth from Clay Church and um, from, music, from our musical mission tour group, and um, it was an absolute blast. You can ask any, any students who were there. They may have recovered at this point. I'm still recovering. There's, a, there's something right here. It's, it's not the same going, going to Cedar Point as it was 12 years ago. Um, 
I'm getting, I'm getting old. So, but it was, bottom line, it was so much fun to see our youth having a great time and getting to know other youth in the church and making new friends and making memories. Community, community building is such a blessing, right? Yeah. Like we said, the gift experienced in that book wasn't just the food. It was how sharing brought the community together. So our leadership team at Clay is committed, particularly coming out of the last couple of years of COVID, to offer more opportunities for us to build community. Opportunities to share and invite others into this blessing. We're doing it right now in outdoor worship. But we also have a lot of fun plans ahead, including an all-church picnic on August 21st. We did something like this last year. Anybody remember? Yes. It was thebomb.com. The youth don't really say that anymore, so they kind of make fun of me when I do. Um, thebomb.com. On August 21st, we'll have our all-church picnic, and then we're going to have a sermon series with community outreach planned for October called the Be Kind Campaign. So I want to let you know that we started a new fund called the Stone Soup Fund. And any gifts to that fund will be used for community building, community building events of the church, places where we can reach out into the community and invite others to experience the joy that we know in Jesus. So if you'd like to be able to, to do even more of these fun things, you can make a gift to that fund by writing Stone Soup Fund on the memo line of any gift or on the envelopes that some of you use, or you'll find a Stone Soup line through online giving as well. So we look forward to seeing how these extra shared gifts might bring a new wave of joy and fun to our clay community. Emily? Emily?